Welcome to the world of fiction, where we're lying, but that's okay. One prepared host, two neurodivergent nerds, two authors dig deeper into the lies that expose truths. If you're a fan of fiction with a curious mind, tune in each week for discussions on speculative worlds, fandom, the industry, and creating. Let's talk about crowdfunding books. I'm your prepared host, J.S. Garrity. And I'm the host who's winging it, Ludlow Adams. For our new listeners out there, every week I choose and prepare a topic because I'm a researcher and a planner. And I find out the topic half an hour before we start recording because I'm an improviser and good on my feet. Let's get into it. Crowdfunding. It's the Crowdfunding. big big elephant in the room right now the big gorilla in the room whatever however that saying goes yeah yeah absolutely it's a newer thing for books yeah books have been on crowdfunding for a while but generally um there's been a reputation for books that are crowdfunded as not being up to par or quality yeah which i think is a bit unfair but, it is. It is yeah. unfair. Um, it's kind of the same thing as you know when ebooks first started coming out. There was, or, or self publishing first started. Yeah. There was this kind of idea of um, the stigma and yeah. that oh, it must be of lesser quality if they're doing it that way. Yeah. And the reality is quite different. Yeah. There's a lot of reasons to to go different routes with things. Yeah, crowdfunding. Um... You know, sometimes there are these incredible books that are just in such a, a niche market or a market that people want to consider niche, like, um, mm-hmm. you know, African-American readers. I have a, a, a friend who has done, actually, uh, Gerald Coleman um, has done two, at least that I'm aware of. One, the first that he kickstarted that I'm aware of was his, uh, his book on poetry, um, uh, The Black Hand Side. And then he did mm-hmm. another one. Uh, first one was through Kickstarter. The second one was through Indiegogo. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not entirely sure about why the change. My thought is that Indiegogo was just a more advantageous platform to, for him to use, most likely for financial reasons. Um, mm-hmm. They can be a little bit more flexible about some things. So he's uh, he did that one on um, African and African diaspora um, speculative fiction. So I think it was mostly mm-hmm. science fiction fantasy kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and science fiction and fantasy tend to do the best on crowdfunding um, from what I've seen, although we'll talk about this in a bit, but Brandon Sanderson's Kickstarter has changed things a lot yeah. for well, what they used to be. He's, but he's, he, he's definitely distorted the, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, you know, previously, crowdfunding used to be really popular for fantasy and sci-fi YA um, series. Mm-hmm. And they would, you know, have the first, you know, three books or even the entire series written already. And they would crowdfund and, you know, the deal would be like you can get bundles of the books in the series. So you could buy the first, just the first one, or you could get the you know, first two book bundle or the entire series. Um, and that was done a lot previous to, and I'm sure it's done a lot still, but 
the use of crowdfunding has expanded since that event. What was it like seven, eight months ago or something? Yeah. Yeah. Something along those lines. Um, Yeah. And it's, I, I think for the most part, it's been good. You know, hopefully more and more people will, will continue to look and say, Hey, you know, this is in fact a valid way of doing this. Um, my, mm-hmm. my writer friend Milton Davis um, had, I think that was one of the things he had mentioned is he's like, look, if it makes it more acceptable for people to jump into crowdfunding for a book, then it very well could be a good thing. Yeah. I yeah. might be mixing up who said that, but I'm pretty sure it was Milton. Milton, if it wasn't and you actually listen to this, sorry yet again. <laughs> So um, let's address the question of why authors might choose to crowdfund, because I think readers want to know that. Yeah. Why are you crowdfunding? Yeah. And there's several different reasons to do it. The top reason and the main reason that it's been done in the past is if an author is choosing not to do print on demand or if they are doing print on demand, but they're crowdfunding at the very beginning of the project before they have to pay for cover artist, editor, all of that stuff. It is a way to fund a self-publishing project um, so that the author doesn't have to put up that upfront cost yeah. out of their own pocket. Yeah. And it's a, it's a much more risk-free way of doing that. Yeah. Because if your project gets funded, then you know you have the money to at least break even with overhead costs. Um, But if it doesn't get funded, then, you know, the Kickstarter just, or at least on Kickstarter, um, you just don't get the funds. Right. And it, it, then you, you're like, okay, maybe I need to readjust. Maybe I need to revise, change some things. um, Look at my book and see if this is really something that is for the market right now or um, address how you marketed that kind of thing. I think um, I think the two biggest reasons somebody might crowdfund versus, you know, try to go to the traditional route or just do it on their own. Um, you know, like you have mentioned, of course, there's there's mitigating your risk. Um, mm-hmm. I think the biggest reason somebody might do self-publishing of any sort is really control. Oh, um, yeah. Especially as publishing becomes more and more risk adverse. Um, meaning we're, we are likely to see fewer and fewer like risks taken on a brand new author or something like that, you know? Um, and it, it, it seems like this has been going, it seems to me like this has been going on for a decade or more now. And so people are turning more and more to doing their own thing because of Mm. how, yeah, conservative, I guess they've been in their business decisions, Mm. you know, they're risk adverse is probably the single best way I can think of to say that. Um, so, you know, you put those two things together, risk and control and, you know, uh, crowdfunding in any way, shape or form makes a lot of sense. Now Mm -hmm. I've been seeing this in role-playing and board gaming for the last like 10, 11 years. Oh yeah. That's really how I know, um, how I think of what I think of when I think of, um, crowdfunding is just mm-hmm. those particular hobbies, not necessarily writing or, or reading. Yeah. Yeah. And it, the gaming and the RPGs, that's been, I think, one of the top, yeah. you know, categories yeah. for 
crowdfunding yeah. for a long time. And it, it's, again, kind of the same benefits. It, it means you have control. For those who don't know, um, being a game writer has a lot of similarities to novel yeah. industry. A lot of similarities. And so you get game writers who are trying to get their game picked up by an, uh, um, a company or a, a game publisher or who are trying to get a job with a publisher. Um, RPGs, too. I have a friend who's done some um, for hire writing mm-hmm. uh, for Wizards of the Coast um, and, you know, written some uh, some campaigns um, for them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's something she had to pitch and, you know, had to work with them to do. And it's very similar to if, you know, you were hired and, and contracted to, to write a novel for a publisher. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of crossover. And I think that's part of why crowdfunding books has worked fairly well as as well um the next question is as a reader why why would you choose to crowdfund a book instead of waiting for it to come out yeah you can help a publisher that you or a writer that you like or you potentially like get started um Mm -hmm. you know you you have a chance of of getting something that would probably not exist without your help or yours and a whole bunch of other people's help. Um, mm-hmm. And so when I've backed role-playing games or board games or anything, even if they're years late in some cases, I'm like, yeah, that's fine. I wasn't doing it just for the product. I typically do it so I know that that company is on better financial footing than they might yeah. be otherwise. Um, so I'm happy I'm happy to do it uh, for for creators that I trust, and I'm happy to do it in a way that um, and just be patient with it. I guess is a better way of saying mm-hmm. it. Yeah, it's the ultimate support of small business. If that's something that's important to you, yeah, you can go right to the source, and you can be an investor for you know just the cost of what you're getting. Yeah, which is. A really unique thing and i mean it changes everything yeah. in I, a good way i would be very very cautious though about using the word investor because when you crowdfund something you do not own a part of that company at all right correct and, yes. and the only reason i bring this up is i've seen people honestly think that i i think mm-hmm. that they honestly thought well i'm part you know i'm part owner of this company you have to do this no no you're not mm-hmm. you are fronting the company money in order for them to get started on this project with the understanding that when this project is finished, you get whatever you, mm-hmm. you know, whatever they, you were promised. Now, of course there's risk, but yeah, I just be really, really cautious with that one. Um, that's, yeah. And that's, yeah, that was a poor uh, choice of word on, on my part. And I'm sure that's where some of the confusion comes from is that's, um, that's the license broker dealer. Yeah. Sorry. That's mm-hmm. the license broker dealer in me that still hasn't quite gone away. You know, it's like, no, let, let's, let's use some real language here. Yeah. That's yeah. a, a useful, um, area of expertise to have if you're, you know, considering going into self-publishing and running your business. Yeah. yeah. For sure. 
yeah, I'm definitely glad I understand some of those things. But yeah, it's, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, crowdfunding has definitely um, changed the landscape of a lot of things. I, I, I think, you know, 24, 25 years ago, we all thought that computer games and video games were going to destroy the tabletop gaming industry. And instead, it, it made it cool to be a gamer for an entire generation. Mm-hmm. And so now playing D&D or, or anything else is no big deal. And I think mm-hmm. we're going to see those kinds of things um, in in the the realm of speculative fiction. It's not that big of a deal to be a fantasy nerd anymore. You know, it's less of a big deal for you to love science fiction novels or whatever, whereas it used to be mm-hmm. very, very problematic, especially in school. Um, now mm-hmm. it's it's much less of a deal. Yeah. Um, another reason, another uh, thing to consider if you're considering going to crowdfunding sites and looking for new things to read there, um, is that you will probably uh, get access to things Mm -hmm. that are limited or one-time thing um, and will not be produced again. And especially for things like fantasy and sci-fi where you know, you can get cool things like maps or um, appendixes with, with language. Yeah, um, special art prints. Yeah, yeah, yeah there's art. been a lot of things. Yeah, it's really neat, I think. Mm-hmm. And and if this is an author you already follow and really like, then that's a really unique opportunity to get a hold of some of those um, special things. Yeah. Uh, and if it's an author that you don't know yet, but you're interested in... Um, I mean, it's an opportunity to be one of the very first fans and and have access to some of the very first things that that author has produced. Yeah, which is a pretty cool thing. Yeah, um, yeah, especially if you actually like the author down the road. Yeah, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely. thinking of the times that I've gotten board games that I've been like, oh gosh, I'm glad I took the risk, but gosh, how do I get rid of this when everybody's trying to dump their copy at the same time? <laughs> Yeah. And you know, that's just how it works sometimes. Um, but you know, you can shop around on, and there are certain things you can look out for to determine if it's something that is going to be up your alley. Book trailers are a big one, um, to look for on a crowdfunding page. Well, something that'll give you a taste and this actually brings up another uh, benefit for an author potentially uh, to do a crowdfunding campaign. And that's because you can get community buzz from it. You can yeah. expand your reach. You know, if things yeah. go well, things go smoothly and people really like what you're seeing, what they're seeing and you're um, and, and they're getting excited about it. They're going to talk about it. They're going to get their friends involved. They're going to share it on Facebook or whatever. You know, and mm-hmm. if it really goes well, it'll get picked up by some media, whether it's print or digital or whatever, and then it goes crazy. Hopefully. Mm-hmm. Hopefully. Yeah. That's the dream, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's a marketing is a is a big reason for an author to do crowdfunding. Um and that's actually uh my part of my reasoning for my own Kickstarter, which when this episode comes out the Kickstarter will be live. It'll be up. I'll put the link shameless plug in the show notes. (laughs) If you guys want to check that out. Um, But my reasoning for doing it because my book's already done. I've already 
you know, paid the editors, paid the cover artists, like all of that upfront cost has been taken care of. Um, so the, my reason for crowdfunding is, is one as a marketing tool to get things out there mm-hmm. and give people something they can take action on before the book is released because you really got to get that buzz going before the book is released. Yeah. Um, and the other reason is it's my method of doing pre-orders because yeah. Amazon is kind of funky with pre-order stuff. So this is my way of being able to allow people to pre-order, which is something that many of my current followers have been asking about for the past few months mm-hmm. as I've, you know, been sharing my where I'm at in book development. Um and so that's another thing to consider is if there's a book you're excited about, then this is your chance to pre-order a lot of times yeah. and to be able to take action right away on getting a hold of that book. Well, and and you just brought up a really good point. You know, um, while Amazon in some ways has gotten better about some things, um, like returns especially, or Kindle mm-hmm. Unlimited or whatever, Kindle returns, I think, specifically, Um you know, Amazon's whims dictate a huge chunk of the market now. So if you can yeah. insulate yourself from some of that, that really helps. So if you're a reader and you really want to support one of your, you know, your favorite authors, I'm not saying don't use Amazon. I'm just saying, you know, look for other avenues to to directly, more directly support your 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 favorite authors. And it's going to help them out a lot more than, than kind of, you know, fighting the Amazon beast sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, one more reason I want to bring up for being a crowdfunder for crowdfunding a project is sometimes there's incentives, um, that, uh, aren't, you know, a physical thing Mm -hmm. that you get in the mail, but, uh, is is still a one-time thing that can be exciting if that's something you're interested in, Mm -hmm. um, there might be opportunities for you to be listed in the acknowledgements of the book or to be listed on the author's website as a backer. Um, things like that, that are just kind of yeah. fun. Like if this ends up being one of your favorite books and you can show people, look, I'm in the acknowledgements. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Right. Yeah. Um, and that'll actually be part of uh, my rewards tiers on my Kickstarter. So if you guys want to check that out. You can. Yeah. So- uh, and, and really quickly, as somebody who has done a beta read on, on JS's book, um, definitely, if you like um, emotional um, contemporary fiction, especially stuff that deals with neurodivergent characters and, and how they have to kind of try to deal with the world, definitely take a look at it. It's really it's really pretty good. I'm a speculative fiction guy for the most part, and I still read this in less than four or five hours. I think I tore right through it and really enjoyed it. Uh, thanks for that. <laughs> yeah, I expect the check um, in the mail. No, I'm kidding, guys. That, that <laughs> were, there, was, there was no agreement to do that whatsoever. <laughs> oh, you are you are in my acknowledgments, um, uh, along with some of others of our our writing group yeah. that that we've been a part of. Um, but yeah, it, uh, moving on to the um, back to the crowdfunding. Um, there's lots of different reasons and they can be personal Mm -hmm. as well. 
Um, but if you've if you've never crowdfunded a project before, I would recommend just going on to Indiegogo or Kickstarter and searching for books in the genre that you like and seeing what's there because there's some diamonds in the rough. There's some authors out there who just don't have the resources to get their work into the world, yeah. but they're excellent writers yeah. and their, their work is quality. Yeah. It has the stuff it needs to, to go somewhere yeah. and they just need the opportunity and crowdfunding provides that opportunity. Yeah. And, and there are writers who can't traditionally published for all kinds of different reasons um there are writers who have been sued completely frivolously um and you know both they and their publishers been sued over a specific pro uh, project and all of a sudden nobody's willing to publish that that project because of these mm -hmm. threats of a lawsuit or something again mm -hmm. in a lot of cases these are completely frivolously so a, a writer is faced with two years or three years of my life of work goes out the window and I start completely over, which sometimes has to happen, or I look for another method of doing this. But even then, you know, again, the the threat of those lawsuits may be over their heads. So, yeah, yeah. it's um, it's it's a crazy, vicious publishing world out there, everybody. So, yeah, you know, if if you can help somebody take a little bit more control over their own, uh, their own career and their own uh, destiny as a writer, then you know, it, it might be worthwhile to you. And chances are you'll find something on there yeah. that piques your interest. And backing books for Kickstarters is pretty inexpensive as far as crowdfunding goes. Um, it It's usually about the cost of a print book, maybe a little bit extra. Um, and, and a little, obviously a little extra if you're doing the bundles and the rewards, rewards yeah. tiers, but um, compared to other crowdfunding projects, they're on the cheaper side, yeah. on the more inexpensive side. Yeah. So if, you, if you're wanting to crowdfund something, if that's something that interests you, but you don't have a lot of cash to, you know, free up right now, then that might be something that fits your budget a little better. One of the things that it, if you as a listener are completely new to crowdfunding in general, what I would say in general just as a as a bizarre kind of rule to keep in mind, the more add-ons there are or the more stretch goals there are, the longer it's probably going to take to complete everything. Now, there are campaigns where they have everything planned out from the very beginning and they have everything ready. But then the ones that they're like, oh yeah, we can add that or we can add that or we can add that. Every time they add something, it's probably pushing out their, their delivery date. So just mm -hmm. keep that in mind. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think crowdfunding can be a really great way to go to get some really good fiction or writing in general, not just fiction. Um, you know, like I said, poetry or or anything really. Um, it, it can be a great way to get some stuff that you wouldn't see otherwise. Absolutely. All right, so let's dig into the big topic because. <laughs> This wasn't just a big deal in the the publishing industry because Brandon Sanderson's Kickstarter broke the Kickstarter record, yes. not just for books, but across the board yeah. by a lot. Yeah, by 100%. He, uh, 
Yeah. yeah. The former record was like 20, 21 million, and he made 41 to 42 million. So, yeah. yeah 41.75 was the ending. I should have known you were going to know that. You're going to have it written <laughs> down in front of you. I do. I do have it written down right here. <laughs> but yeah, doubled. Doubled it. And and the other one yeah. was a really crazy popular Kickstarter uh, with a really popular product. I don't even remember what it is anymore. It's just gone out completely out of my head. But I remember thinking, wow, yeah, that's pretty amazing. Brandon has a lot of fans. That's part yes. of it. Yes. A lot of fans. He's an industry giant. He also really knows what he's doing. Um, I mean, his reveal video yeah. of like, I have to confess something. And I, I think there was like a rumor going around that he was dying or something. And <laughs> that might have helped too with some of the buzz. I had not heard um, that one. That's that's kind of funny, actually. I, I heard that as, as I, you know, hearing about the Kickstarter and everything. I heard that kind of bounce around a little bit about how some people thought he was dying or something. I don't know why they thought well, that. Aren't we all really dying? Um, yeah, yeah, we are. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, I, having this video of like, oh, I have this confession to make. And over COVID, productivity, this big topic about productivity over COVID. Um, and then this in, insane news that he wrote. It was five books, right? I think so. Yeah. Four. Yeah. Cause they're going to do one a quarter. So four of them are full length novels and one of them, yeah. they decided to do a like graphic novel kind of mm -hmm. uh, release for it instead as a separate project, I think from the, from the Kickstarter. Yeah. Yeah. Five books. Yeah. Five books in, you know, during COVID. Two years. Two yeah, years. Roughly two years. Yeah. Which if you know how big Brandon Sanderson books are, that is and absolutely he, staggering. And he kept up with his contract work. Yeah. That's the thing that blows my mind. Yeah. Like a lot of people can can knock out, you know, a handful of novels. Piers Anthony has done it. S.M. Sterling does it. Um, you know, you can knock out a few novels in a year or four or five in, in two years. But again, you're right. The size of his novels and the fact that he entirely kept up with all of his contract work at the same time. Now, he has all of that down to a system to the point where he doesn't even necessarily do all of the revisions that the publisher asks for. So right. somebody He's else, one of his, one of his in-team editors takes care of all of that. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think one of them was one he'd already written. Um, he talked about he wrote a book for his wife mm -hmm. that he intended for only for her to ever read. And she kept pushing him like you have to publish yeah. this you need to publish yeah. it and i think that was one of the books yeah. so that one was technically already yeah. written um but still it's a it's a massive feat and he explains in this video he like has his chart yeah. he's in teacher mode and he talks about oh this is my where my time goes and then during covid all of these public appearances all of this other stuff went away and my writing time just yeah. filled the whole chart. Um, and that's every author's dream, yeah. right? For writing time to fill the whole chart. Yeah, but um, the, the difference is he's built the discipline to actually write the entire time he has writing time yeah. or most of the time. Because even he yeah. admits that some days, you know, you, you have a really, really productive day and other days you spend all day playing Animal Crossing. Yep. So, <laughs> you know, and, and that's actually yeah. he has video game time planned into his day 
Like that's how he unwinds from writing, which I think is kind of neat. Yeah. Scheduling and breaks is really important for productivity in general. Um, My therapist gets on me about that a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I'm trying to learn all this. Writing is a funny thing. Like a lot of people try to do like a thousand words a day kind of goals. And some people are successful with that and props to them. Um, But for me, uh, we're both in our thesis right now, Ludlow and I, um, for our MFAs. And I, you know, made a goal about how many words I would write a week for this first thesis submission. And there was one week where I wrote nothing. Yeah. Absolutely nothing. Yeah. And then there was a 24-hour period where I wrote 6,000 words in 24 I, hours. And it wasn't like a per- I procrastinated. I need to do this right now. I was just in the flow yeah. that night and then the next morning. And I wrote 6,000 words. You know, it was really funny. I could not start writing the next section to get my, to get my first mm-hmm. 10,000. I could not move on to the next scene that I needed to do. I just couldn't do it. So finally, I actually went back to the beginning and I I added some detail and rewrote some things and much happier with it. Um, and in fact, at this point, I'm really just kind of waiting on some feedback um, yeah. because I'm doing a, a military fantasy. There's a lot of exposition in military science fiction. Um, but then you have a book like The Black Tongue Thief where there's a lot of exposition, except it's not exposition because it's done in first person. So it's all commentary from the main characters. So I'm like, should I do that or have it as a deep, really close third person perspective and do exposition as though it's from him anyway? And so, yeah, the fact that Brandon doesn't worry about that stuff or he just figures it out as he goes just blows my mind. I know. And it's not just him. It's a lot of writers. But yeah. A lot of writers yeah. do. We're just we just happen to be talking about him because he broke this this record. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and you know, we we both have we both have a connection to team Brandon somehow, you know, yeah, like I do. I've met people and and JS um has been I think to to some of his local more local stuff, which I think is really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my my son actually does equine therapy at the facility that Brandon's charitable foundation um, supports. Yeah. So that's interesting. They have a bunch of books that he's donated out in like the waiting room. Yeah. Um, just random books in the middle of the therapy <laughs> clinic, <laughs> which is how I found out. Cause I asked about him. I was like, eh, Brandon Sanders. Fans? Um, but yeah, there, there's a horse that he donated and everything. Yeah. Um, Does not surprise yeah, me. I, I live local. I live local to yeah. him and, well, I I didn't um, want to make it that obvious, you know. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> um. So, how did this change Kickstarter? We talked about perception a little bit already, yeah. and how Kickstarters and and crowdfunding in general used to be seen as if you're doing it for a book, um, as oh you couldn't hack it, and so you're doing this like. Yeah last resort thing right which isn't true no. there's so many reasons that people crowdfund um and brandon such a a giant with such a huge following going onto kickstarter yeah. to crowdfund a self-publishing project that just changed yeah. things um all of a sudden people are taking it 
seriously. When we say people in this case, though, I mean, let's be honest, we're really talking about mainstream yeah. corporate America is taking yeah. Kickstarter more seriously. So I have to yeah. wonder, like, you know, at the beginning when people were digitally publishing or self-publishing digitally, especially publishers were like, yeah, whatever. And then they started finding those books that they were like, wait a minute, we can re-release this and make a lot of money. So part of me yeah. wonders if people are going to start, if they're going to start watching Kickstarter campaigns and after the Kickstarter campaigns approach a couple of new writers. Um, Absolutely. And so I, I really, I really think, you know, that might be one of the big business changes. Um, but, you know, don't hold your breath on that if you're out there listening to this thinking, oh, well, I was going to do that, so I'll get published. Well, we don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. as as has been said in the publishing industry, they figure out how the last person made it through and then they close that door. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, so there were 185,341 backers Gosh. for this Kickstarter. And probably most of those did not previously have a Kickstarter account. Yeah. Um, and the the draw of Brandon Sanderson and the, you know, epic bundles that he created, yeah. I made fans actually willing to make another account somewhere in order to get a hold of these things and to, and to back this project. Yeah. You, you know, nobody likes to be asked to make an account, right? It's so annoying. Like, oh, to do this, you have to make an account. Yeah. Um, and that can be a turnoff for people. And that's one of the challenges of kickstarting, uh, sorry, crowdfunding, um, is that people don't necessarily want to have to make an account to buy something. Yep. Um, and, you know, almost 200,000 people were willing to make accounts. Some of them were probably already yeah. um, on Kickstarter, but most of them likely weren't. So he's brought thousands of science fiction fantasy readers onto the Kickstarter platform. Yep. So if you're an author that writes science fiction fantasy, yeah, you've got a lot more of your audience on Kickstarter now. I think so that changes things. Yeah, I think it it you know much like it did for the business world, it kind of legitimatized legitimized. Yeah. Yeah. Whichever. Somebody look it up and let us know which how that's pronounced. Um yeah. It 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 just made it that much more legitimate for both readers and publishers. So, you know, my hope is and again, uh this is one of Milton's comments um immediately during and, and after was, you know, this should make it a lot easier for, for everybody. Um there were people who were freaking out about it and it was like, Okay, let's look at it this way. Um a uh you know, a best-selling author with a huge wide audience um, is making, you know, millions of dollars on a four book deal. I mean, you know, you put it that way, that's normal in the industry. Well, and the other thing to consider is that most of that money, um, most of that 41 mil, it doesn't go into Brandon's pocket. It goes to his team. It goes to the publishing costs. Um, He donated a whole ton and backed um, every Kickstarter for publishing that was on Kickstarter at the time. Um, So he gave back to other authors. Uh, But the amount that he made is probably less than uh, what he would get for a 
um oh my gosh an advance yeah. that's the word i'm looking Up for front this was probably less than he would have gotten for an advance with a traditional yeah. publisher upfront because mm-hmm. you know i i'm sure brandon is is somebody who probably pays out pretty regularly uh for anybody who's curious about that when when you get an advance it's you know x amount of dollars let's say it's a hundred thousand dollars for somebody when you when you as an author get paid or have paid that out it basically means you've made that money back and now you're starting to earn royalties um a lot of authors don't pay out a lot of them you know all yeah. they make is the advance alone and that is hit or miss as to whether or not it's going to hurt or harm. Uh, it's going to hurt uh, your next book with the same publisher. So, mm-hmm. you know, what we're saying, well, what I'm saying is that Brandon might have made less during the advance, but he definitely would have made a lot more on the back end over time. Um, I tend to think of things as a lifetime business deal, you know, like, okay, what's your, what's your, um, your passive income on this going to be, you know, again, that's the, that's the financial investment guy in me though. Yeah. 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 So, you know, it's not like Brandon Sanderson pocketed $40 million from this mm-hmm. project, which I think was why most people were upset about it. Um, upset that, you know, he's not a minority. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's in a religion that's not, always um considered minority kind of thing um there are people like oh this would be so much better if it was a a writer of color Mm -hmm. or a woman or someone from another minority group um but it it wouldn't have worked the same for anyone else because sanderson's fan base is truly unique and it might have worked for a few other authors but what but what he's done is is made it possible for some of those minority authors to now go on kickstarter and for it to be seen as more legitimate and hopefully you know do better than they would have done previously i i think there's a handful of writers who could have gone and done the exact same thing except for the fact that they don't have they have not spent the last decade building out a business unit Mm -hmm. like brandon has um Mm -hmm. to my knowledge anyway but yeah i i think i think there are authors who could have put those numbers up um but yeah Mm -hmm. but again you know uh milton's comment on this as a as a person of color his comment on this was you know we now know that it's possible and we don't have to make that much money if we have a 2.1 million dollar kickstarter that's beyond successful for a lot of us so you know that's so that's possible and it he it he thinks and i i tend to agree with him um he thinks that Brandon has made it more likely for that to happen again in the future, mm-hmm. but we'll see. And this doesn't invalidate any of the frustrations yes. in general of the fact that um, there's not a lot of minority voices um, in the industry and yeah. in publishing. And that is a huge yeah. issue, obviously. Um, this doesn't invalidate yeah. any of those frustrations. And I'm sure those frustrations were, you know, reopened yeah. and, um, with you know this this white man making forty million dollars on Kickstarter. Well, it's um, it's interesting. My my 
people of color author friends were the ones who were actually usually a bit more phlegmatic about it. Like in a lot of cases, it was my white author friends who were like, yeah, but you know, this, you know, skews it or messes it up for everybody else. And they were like, no, 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 it doesn't. Those people were never going to buy books from us anyway. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's one of those things that Milton again has pointed out. um, And he's like, look, you know, you think that it's going to be your quote unquote, your people who are going to be the ones backing you up you know, and, and supporting you. But a lot of the times it turns out that your people aren't necessarily the ones that are in the same community as you. They might just be your fans or other people or fellow writers that you know who are going to have your back no matter what. So we have to think of community, I think, a little bit differently than than we tend to. But yeah, yeah, it's there's definitely there's definitely a reason to be frustrated. You know, nobody else has been able to do this. And I get it where that's coming from. I just... I just look at it from a, an industry perspective where I think it's more likely for people to, to hit those bigger numbers or, you yeah. know, slightly bigger numbers. You know, there are authors who, uh, you know, need like uh, $3,500 to, to bring a book to bear and they, they squeak by with 3600 Well, the hope is that rather than 3500 maybe it'll go to 35000 or 350000 or heck even $50,000 and that would be that would be a huge chunk of somebody's budget for a year. Yeah. So, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and I you know, if you're worried about these things and you want to help, go out and find yeah. minority authors and support yeah. them. Follow their you know, social medias, sign up for their newsletters yep. and find their yep. crowdfunding projects and and back yep. them. Uh, we can do something yeah. about it. That's the yeah. thing. I'll give you. We can we can do something. I'll about give it. you two of my favorite right now. Yet again, uh, Milton Davis, Gerald Coleman. Look them both up. They're both not only fantastic writers; they're really good people. Um, I do not know what Gerald Coleman's um, uh, website is, and I can look okay. it up. Yeah. yeah, and I'll put it in the Gerald, show notes. Uh, Gerald's a great guy. Like he and I have a very similar sense of humor, so we will rip on each other so much. But it's so <laughs> funny. But the moment. The moment that there's a a crowdfunding or there's an issue, he'll you know he's he's got my back and I've got his. So, but that's just kind of the guy yeah. he is, I think. Gerald L. Coleman for anybody who's looking for him. So that should help you uh, hunt it. down the the website a little bit faster. Okay, thank you for those recommendations. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, we're getting a little low on time here now, but. Um, just to kind of wrap things up, uh, crowdfunding, like go try it out, go take a poke around and, and see what's there. See if your next favorite book might be on there. Yeah. If you're a writer and you're not sure back a project, you know, back, back something, just check it out. Just watch, see how it goes. Um, you know, it can be really frustrating for a writer to, to have somebody back it and then drop it. So please don't do that. But back it and and just follow through the entire campaign and and it's going to be a real interesting experience, especially if it's their third or fourth campaign or something, which is usually when people start breaking uh, much bigger. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it takes a few books. Yeah. All right, well, that is our time for today. And we've been your hosts, Ludlow Adams and J.S. Garrity. Thanks for tuning in. Join us next week for a new topic about the world of fiction. This has been We're Lying, But That's Okay. Big thanks to our listeners for your support. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave us a review. 
thank you to our one-man production and tech support team, Max Garrity, for making this podcast possible.